A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. In the deepest recesses of the earth, where the sun's ray is dare not venture, lies the Mariana Trench, a place of profound darkness and unfathomable pressure. It is a world alien to us, surface dwellers. Here, the laws of life as we know them are rewritten by the inhabitants that call this place home. Peculiar fish glide through the abyss, their bodies twisted and shaped by the merciless demands of their environment. Some brandished jaws that seem too large for their bodies lined with needle, sharp teeth designed to snatch any morsel that strays into their path. Others emit an eerie glow, 
a result of bioluminescence, their only source of light in the eternal darkness. Yet as fascinating as these creatures are, there lurks a possibility of something far more chilling. Whispers among oceanographers and marine biologists suggest the presence of cryptids, creatures that have yet to be classified by science, residing in these depths. The urgency of these speculations took on a chilling reality when a nuclear submarine disappeared in the vicinity of the trench. I was part of the five-man Navy SEAL team dispatched on a recovery mission to retrieve it. As we descended, the pressure increasing with every meter, we found the submarine. But what awaited us inside was a scene from a nightmare. Thirty sailors, each life extinguished in a manner that suggested a grotesque, unknown predator. The men had been impaled, their bodies riddled with toxins. Our mission had suddenly become far more dangerous. We were not only tasked with retrieving the submarine, but also escaping the cryptids that had claimed it as their territory. The beasts were monstrous, their forms adapting to the harsh conditions of the trench, turning them into terrifying predators. In the battle that ensued, we lost one of our own. His sacrifice spurred us on, pushing us to think strategically to use our understanding of the creatures against them. We observed their bioluminescent signals, mimicking them to cause confusion and disarray. This allowed us to make our escape, leaving behind the cryptid infested depths. We returned to the surface, grief for our fallen brother a heavy weight in our hearts. As the sun set, we took a moment to reflect on the day's events. We had battled unknown predators and survived our lives forever marked by the encounter. As I looked up at the stars, I whispered a prayer of gratitude for our survival and a plea for the safety of the coming days. After all, who knew what other mysteries the ocean depths held waiting to be discovered? Hi. Let me start off by saying this. I believe that someone or something flies around Waukegan, Illinois. It was August 2020. My father had just passed away, and the lakefront as well always be a big part of our lives from a kid until my 30s. I've lived by the lake, and it, it, it has always had a strange feeling to it. My mother, two nieces, and two nephews were with us, and we decided to go to another side of where you normally go to the lake, just as something different. You know, exploring is trying to clear our minds after pandemic and the loss of our loved one. We had heard the stories about the winged humanoids. I've made sure the kids know that there are things we can't explain in the area. In the middle of a hot Saturday afternoon in Waukegan, we all looked up to see what actually looked like Iron Man in the sky. We didn't see wings, just a dark black shape of a man. It was not normal. We all joked it was the Mothman, but it didn't click until I just read the story of Bowen Park in Waukegan, which happened a couple of months after our experience in 2020, not too far away from the lake and power plant. I do believe in ghosts and tons of other things. I know things around here are weird. I don't know if this helps, but I finally had to tell someone.
When my grandmother was younger, she was walking home from school. When she got to the farm that she lived on, she saw the figure of her mother out on the field waving to her and yelling her name, beckoning her to come to her. My grandmother ran into the house to leave her backpack before going out to the field. When she got to the kitchen, her mother was there cooking. There was no way that her mother managed to get in the house before her. Could it have been a skinwalker or a wendigo? This happened in northern Sweden, so it shouldn't be possible that it was a skinwalker, right? It was her mother's voice, as well, so it couldn't have been somebody else. This happened in the summer of 2020 in Lawrence County, along Blaine Creek in eastern Kentucky. My mom's home, where I grew up, is situated in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains. There are no houses or neighbors within half a mile of her house. The area is simply beautiful mountains. One night, her old dog was barking, whimpering, and growling. He just wouldn't stop acting up. My mom was confused, since there were no outside noises that she herself could hear. The dog was pacing back and forth to the door and windows. After 30 minutes or so, she decided to grab her flashlight and go outside to make sure everything was okay. No animals had been messing with her trash cans, so she figured her dog was picking up the smell of a raccoon or other nocturnal critter. She scanned her yard and the creek and didn't see anything out of place. So she turned to go back into the house, and that's when she saw it. I will give the best description that I can from what she told me. I've never seen it myself, and hope I never do. She said it was standing on its hind legs. These hind legs looked like an animal's, but the front looked more human. It had patches of long, light-colored fur all over the body and legs. The top looked like a humanoid man, while the lower part looked like an animal. The face was very odd. She called it an alien apeman. She said that it stood about seven feet in height and was muscular. She stood paralyzed with fear, shining her light on it. It looked at her. Then it started walking on all fours out of her yard, toward the back and toward the mountain. It did stop and looked back at her a few times, but finally disappeared into the darkness. There was another encounter. One night a few weeks later, her dog began acting up again. She decides to stay inside. She turned her lights off and looked out of her dining room window. There was a pole light in the yard. She was able to see it again, although it was further away from her and not as detailed. She said it had the same shape and was the same thing she saw just weeks earlier. She backed away from the window for a few minutes, then looked out again. It was gone. After that, she would walk out onto the back porch and fire her shotgun at dusk, hoping the creature would heed her warning. It's been over two years now, and she still fires the shotgun every early evening. The creature hasn't returned. I witnessed an attempted murder at Rutledge Falls in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Arrived to the short hike and parked in the parking lot, where my girlfriend at the time remarked how unusual it was to see another car there, much less one from out of state, in honest tags. It was a green Jeep Grand Cherokee, the boxy type from the early 2000s. Up ahead of us and traveling towards us was a man about 
five feet nine or so in his fifties, white gray hair, wearing a light jacket with a collar. He saw us and immediately flipped his collar up and hid his face under the brim of his hat. I remember thinking how strange his behavior was. The hike was maybe a tenth of a mile. The sight was the waterfall, and you could see it from the road if it weren't for the line of trees and brush in front of the cliff leading down. As we approached and the man left, there was a rustling in the base of that line of brush. I squinted and thought I made out some kind of small animal. When I got closer, I saw it was a woman's head and shoulders grasping at a few small bush stumps to keep from falling off the cliff. It's a girl, I exclaimed, and she immediately lost her grip, looked over the edge, and saw the last second of what I imagined was a very painful fall. Her legs were over her head, and she was tumbling down the slanted cliff, roughly forty feet down. This isn't a book, and nobody's gonna read this, so I'll cut to the chase. Me and my buddy climbed down the cliff, carried her back up, and waited for the cops. She came to as we finished giving our account of the events and told us the last thing she remembered she was in a bar in Chicago talking to a nice old man she had just met, and then she came to at the cliff where he had his hands around her throat. She said he shoved her off the cliff when we pulled up, fully expected to be in court one day describing this to someone, but thirteen years later, nothing. This happened in Ankara, Turkey. There is a national park merged with the town here, which has nice picnic and camping spots. And there is one specific picnic spot I love and go to. It's on top of a hill. Great observation point is pre-built stoves and shit. Great place. So one day I read that Jupiter could also be Mars, can't remember, could be seen to the naked eye at night. So I decided to load up my friends and truck, get my telescope and picnic stuff, and go there. The area is not far away, next to a three-lane road, which sees a car maybe once three hours, and always has two security guards on watch. So we do our little picnic and watch Jupiter, cool and all. It's 3 a.m. Let's walk around a bit. The giant fossil tree is walking distance, three kilometers, from here. So we go there, four guys, see the fossil tree and other fossil stuff on display. It's 4 a.m. now, better go back and pack up. As we are walking back, I see a figure on the opposite side of the road, very big and burly. Remember that it's full moon and Kizilke Hammam is a place with lots of bears, enough that we have myths of them raiding the small mosques and picnic areas. It looks at us. Stands up and starts making noises. A 2.5 mountain tall thing yelling at you. We are frozen. Then we see her cubs. A few meters away from us, two furballs are standing and looking at us, approaching closer as they want to sniff us. We stand in complete shock, thinking what we gonna do if Mama Bear gets angry enough to murder us. The bear cubs are literally hugging our legs now, and Mama Bear is angry as ever. After an eternal five minutes, the cubs decide that we aren't tasty or funny and go back to their mama. Mama Bear, still angry, keeps yelling at us for more. 
but we got out of the shock a few minutes ago. The cubs left, so we stand closer and don't turn away. Eventually, she gets tired of it and keeps on walking on the opposite side of the road. The story of it got so corrupted that we have people in the town believing that we fought off a bear or another one where we fed her cubs milk and pet them while the mama bear watched, etc. We all got free access to hunters local even though none of us are hunters. One one. One one. One one. One one. I think a dogman was stalking me once a long time ago when I was hunting wild hogs in the swamps of eastern North Carolina. I was about twenty or twenty, one and loved exploring the swamps where I lived and got into hunting wild hogs cause it was a pretty big adrenaline rush. They're pretty aggressive here. I went into the swamp about ten miles from my house where there was trails on dry land through a marshy R and it was heavily wooded. I heard something close by and stopped to look and listen and could hear something breathing really deeply and almost growling. Then it stopped. This happened a few more times, so I changed direction to try and get behind it and pin it between myself and the water, but it changed direction with me. After about an hour of creeping around, I realized it was between me and the way out of the swamp. At this point, I'm starting to get a little scared because I don't think it a hog at this point anymore. I made the decision to get baked by wading through the swamp and water up to my chest. I think it tried to follow me but wouldn't go in the water. I eventually made it back to where I could get to my truck. A few days later, I told my buddy's cousin about it and all the bones and weird stuff I saw and he completely changed when I told him where. I was and said to stay away from there. I asked him why, and he wouldn't say any more. Fast forward a few years, and I'm at his house, and all of his family was there, and his uncle came and talked to me and said I heard where you were out in the swamp hunting hogs at. You're lucky you made it back. I asked why, and he said that's where the big dogs live. I asked what he meant, and he wouldn't say any more. I had it a few more years, but not in that same spot, and eventually started working a different job and got into other hobbies and also started playing in a working band, so I had not time for it. I completely forgot about that day until a few years ago when I saw a story about Dogman on YouTube, and I immediately remembered that day. I've since heard a lot of diff stories similar to mine and also heard of Dogman encounters around and down the coast from where I live. I stay out of the swamp now and don't go in any farther than I have to if I have to. I was out hiking with my family and I had run a little ways ahead of them. I turned a corner of the trail into a big clearing and about ten feet away was a flying rod just hovering there. I immediately freak out because I was convinced they weren't real before that, so I start staring and trying to take in as much detail as I can. Then I remembered I had a camera on me, so I went to grab it, and immediately the rod zoomed away so fast it looked like it just vanished. Looked around the clearing for a bit, trying to find any signs of it, but didn't see anything. Really neat thing to see. It's the main reason I tend to accept the possibility of even the most ridiculous cryptids.
One time I was out camping with my mom out on private property, a plant nursery, for two nights. The first night I could barely sleep, and at some point I heard the faintest gar right next to my ear from outside. Later again, I heard it again. The weird thing was there was no movement or anything outside, nor did my dog react one bit. I thought it was maybe a cat, but that was have been extremely unlikely. That morning I mentioned it to my mom, and she heard the exact same thing as well, but more than twice. She was too unbothered with it, since if it was a creature, the dog would have noticed. Till this day, I have no idea what it could have been. I grew up on the countryside, right next to a national park frequently visited by nature lovers and bird enthusiasts. It was the kind of park where you're not really allowed to bike or ride horses, only walk or run, but ten-year-old me felt it was a stupid rule and did so anyway because the trails were perfect for it. I knew fully well that I wasn't supposed to do that and was caught a few times, but nothing much came of it apart from a half-hearted don't-do-it-again. And I did, of course, until one day something frightening happened that made me stop. My family were horse breeders, and I would often take on the horses for a ride, usually in the forbidden park. This day, very early morning, the first day of the summer holiday, it was beautiful outdoors. Misty and foggy, yet a sky that promised a sunny day ahead. Since it was so early before six o'clock, I knew there wouldn't be anyone on the trail to see me, so I let the horse set off full speed along the trail. I only slowed down on the part of the trail that got a steep on one side leading down to the river, because the thought of one step to close to the edge was too much, even for a kid with next to non-existing risk assessment skills. Suddenly the horse came to a halt and refused to take another step. I grew up with horses all my life and knew that that usually indicates that you need to investigate. Is there something with the hoofs? Did the horse spot something that spooked it? The hooves were fine, but the horse didn't move an inch. That's when I saw it. Someone had set up a trap, a thin, sharp metal wire across the trail in perfect neck. I stopped and looked around but didn't see anyone. The wire was well attached to two trees and impossible for me to remove, so I led the horse around it and to do so I had to walk a bit up into the wooden area on the side of the trail. That is when I heard the singing. There is a song called Hagee Tomta Gubber, and it was that melody, but the lyrics were different and sung in a muffled, snaggering voice. Today I only remember parts of it, but translated it would have been something like, Hey, all you runners, come here passing, let the life blood pour out. I, as silently as I could, and with my heart in my throat, backed away got up on the horse and hurried back the way I came as fast as I could. I knew I had to tell someone about it, but at the same time wanted to avoid admitting to riding a huge and very forbidden horse on those protected trails. So now I had a problem. The old stories about a mad old man living in the shed in the woods, a shed that was one a cottage for the local hunter, came back to me as I hung on the horse for dear life. I got home and told my older brother what had happened, and he went back there with me in tow. We found the wire trap, and 
After a while of searching, we also found a spear-like pole in the ground, right on the spot where you'd land if you came running and jumped over the fallen tree on the trial. That's when we called police. The area was searched and several similar traps found, but no sight of the old man. The following summer, though, there were big news in the local paper about spear-like poles being found right under the water surface, directly under that little tower you're supposed to dive from at the lake. And black garage bags filled with big rocks were found on the narrow bridge crossing the river, so that if a car had hit it, risk is, it would have gone off the road and into the water. We were camping in an isolated spot. There was one other family camping at quite a distance from us, and apparently no one else for miles. We had been watching for Bigfoot signs all day, as we have been interested for a very long time. We were right next to the creek and planning to sleep in a bed in the back of our open station wagon. In the afternoon, as we were exploring the creek, we heard the distant sound of wood striking wood. We are bird watchers and very familiar with the sounds of woodpeckers. It was nothing like that. It sounded like a very large branch striking a tree trunk. An axe might have made a similar sound, but the people were in the opposite direction, and there didn't seem to be anyone else for a great distance. Besides, the rhythm was all wrong for an axe on a tree. Instead of a steady chop, chop, there would be two or three strikes, and then a pause as if they were listening. It went on for maybe 20 minutes, periodically. We kept trying to answer back with the same sound, but it didn't sound the same. We couldn't swing a large enough stick to make the same sound. Whoever was making the sound appeared to answer us back. That night we camped, but as the fire got low, we became very uncomfortable for no apparent reason. Perhaps it was just our imagination. But finally, we decided to go home. We decided to come back when we were able to get a motor home so we could be inside something. We now have the motor home and are going to try again next weekend in the same location. If we have any success, we will let you know. This seems like a small thing, and there may be some other explanation. But we couldn't think of anything else that fit the facts. At least, it will be a lot of fun to go back, and maybe we could be lucky enough to see a Bigfoot. When I was around 13 years old, it wasn't a Sasquatch, but I'm really hoping someone out there has had this same experience. The fear was absolutely paralyzing. I still think about it almost every day. Our house was a rambler style in a rural setting with a deck out the back that had several steps out to the backyard and then woods. We didn't have any neighbors. Then my bedroom was actually the den that had the sliding glass door going to the deck. Our only cat was with me and stayed asleep the whole time. We had a dog that was the only other witness to this event. Just before the morning light, something started to scream outside the glass door of the deck. I was immediately paralyzed with fear. I can only describe it as a metallic, extremely loud, wailing siren type scream. It had more than one tone, like an extra vibration, and was not at all natural and extremely loud. It wailed with intensity and aggression. 
no pausing up and down in tone, and so loud it seemed like it went on forever. I was sweating and shaking with a primal to uh, gut fear. I expected everyone in the house, especially my dad, who was an extremely light sleeper, to come running, but no one did. Our dog went nuts. He growled and barked. He attacked the curtains and rushed the glass constantly. The whole time, he did not stir this thing at all. It stayed rigid and still up against the glass. I felt it was aware of me and wanted my attention. I felt it was aggressive, but I was not totally sure of its intent, just that it wanted my attention. I finally managed to lift my head slightly to look at whatever this thing was, and its shape was like an average height, but extremely thin house cat. No way was this a cat or any known creature of the woods. I've always said that I was born with a cat in my arms, and that I was probably a cat in my past life, so I know cats. I'm now sixty one years old. I've heard their calls and screams, and this was beyond anything like that. I'm having trouble writing this next sentence. I do not believe this was an earthly creature. I will not be dismissed. I know this thing was not normal. This thing was sitting upright, either facing into the glass or away. No features. Solid black silhouette with its ears straight exaggeratingly long and sitting unnaturally on top of its head. It looked fake. My cat is next to me and sound asleep the whole time. Could this thing have masked itself as something similar or something familiar to me? What about the odd metallic vibration? It was ear, piercingly loud, like it was coming from everywhere. It wailed up and down without stopping like a high-pitched siren. It went on and on for what seemed like forever. I estimate it lasted about five minutes. It started when it was dark outside, and then the light gradually got brighter. I don't remember falling asleep, just that it was later and everyone was getting up for breakfast. I asked if anyone heard anything weird, but they heard nothing. Our dog looked haggard and exhausted. I knew this really happened just by the look in his eyes. He seemed as tired, edgy, and troubled as I did. After breakfast, the dog and I checked the deck for proof, but found nothing. He sniffed everywhere frantically. I can't remember if he ran in the woods. I don't think he did, and I was too afraid. I felt like I'd been through a terrifying experience. It still disturbs me to this day when I think about it. What was it? My parents lived there another 40 years. Nothing like that ever happened again. I've been wondering where to share this. It's so weird, I don't even know where to begin. So I've been house-sitting for some friends in the rural PNW. They live up in the hills on a long, twisting road, and the house itself is at the end of a long gravel driveway. The house also sits up against a big evergreen forest. I should also mention that at one point the driveway branches off and goes into the woods. I have no idea why. I've explored in there before, and there's nothing. The road is too overgrown for a vehicle to get through anyway, or so I thought. Recently it dumped snow up here and I've kind of been trapped as my gutless sedan doesn't have four-wheel drive and the driveway is covered in over a foot of snow and the road hasn't been plowed. Anyway, a couple nights ago I was sitting up awake reading. 
I haven't been sleeping well because I got COVID and the coughing keeps me up at night. At about 11.30 p.m., I saw headlights outside the window. I could hardly believe it. First, it was late at night. Second, there's been so much snow that most cars couldn't even make it up here. And third, my friends are out of state and no one else would be coming up here, certainly not at night. I peeked out the window and watched as the headlights, instead of turning the bend in the driveway toward the house, kept going into the woods. Ah, uh, what? I was curious, but I'm also a coward, so I didn't do anything as ridiculous as follow the car into the forest in the middle of the night. But I couldn't let it go, so in the morning I grabbed my boots and parka and stupidly left the house to investigate this next part. I genuinely can't explain. There was one set of tire tracks in the snow, heading down the rough road into the woods. I followed them about a half mile into the forest, and they suddenly stopped. There was a large fallen tree blocking the road, and no vehicle in sight. The tire tracks just ended, and no footprints in the snow either. That's it. I wish I had an explanation, or a better ending than me running like hell out of the woods, but I don't. I'll be glad when my friends get back because it is creepy as if up here. I was born in Puerto Rico but moved to the United States with my mom after my parents' divorce so I would visit in the summertime to see my dad. My dad always took me camping and we would always have these really deep talks. This one time I had told my dad that I felt my late grandfather was the moon. He passed earlier that year, and I was just a kid, so that's how I found comfort in his passing. We continued our talk, then heard this strange noise, almost like a person casting a fishing rod. But only problem was we were on a mini island that can only be. Reached by boat, and on the other side of this island was super steep, like uber steep I'm talking about, almost vertical. No way for someone to be down there, and the only way on the island was through our campsite. My dad said no one was there when he checked before, so he was starting to get worried, and me being 15 decided to be a tough guy and went to take a piss. I kept hearing the noise, and it kept getting louder. As I got to the edge, the steep-ass hill, I saw him, or at least I thought I did. I saw my grandfather at the bottom of this hill knee, deep in water, fishing. Naturally, I freaked out and ran towards him, screaming, Grandpa, it's me, please stay right there. I couldn't believe I was seeing my grandpa stumbling down. This hill was so hard, but when I got to the bottom, he was... Gone and the only thing there was a fishing rod just under the surface of the water. I was so confused and my screaming alarmed my dad. But I was stuck at the bottom and I couldn't get back up the hill so my dad went for his boat to go around and get me. I was so upset, waiting, so confused, asking myself what was going on when I felt a hand on my shoulder. But by the time I looked up I herded my dad's boat and realized nothing was there. To this day, I can't explain it. I am not superstitious or religious in any way, so I don't believe in ghosts. But there was something comforting about the whole ordeal. My dad is convinced my grandfather needed to tell me something, but I don't know.
I used to be active duty Navy on a ship that would go to sea for six months at a time. I met a guy in another department who looked exactly like Gregory Hines. I mean, seriously, just like him. One day he tells me that he goes to orgy parties that have hetero bi and gay members. He invites me and says I can just participate in the hetero part, which I solidly am. He says the parties are exclusive, and he's one of the people who canned me. He invites me to his room and says I need to be comfortable, naked, and not be awkward around others who are. The test is for me to undress in front of him. I'm not going to do that with just two of us, but he agrees to let me just pull it out enough to be visible. This is super uncomfortable for me, but I'm imagining how interesting the party could be, so I show it. The next step, of course, is for me to play with it a little. I honestly don't remember what his legitimate justification for this next request was, but I believe he asked if he could massage it. I'm obviously drawing the line there. Apparently, that last test was the deal-breaker because I wasn't allowed to go to the parties. I obviously saw him after that in the passageways and chow hall, etc., for a year or two more, but we just nodded or whatever and really never engaged verbally. Heaps of weird stuff happened back when I was living in New Zealand. One time, when I was a teenager, I was camping with family at Spirits Bay at the top of the North Island. My friend and I decided to go for a walk along the beach before turning in. The surf was rough and loud. It's a beautiful moonlit night. We can see almost all the bay in front of us, in the moonlight. No one is on the beach that we can see. All of a sudden, absolute, total, eerie silence. No crashing wave. No wind, no night birds. We stop walking and it's like we're frozen in place. We don't talk. It feels so weird. The hairs on my arm stood on end. Then I see what looks like a person walking along the beach, but it seemed odd somehow. I whispered to my friend. She saw it too. This person just came from nowhere. We watched frozen in place for maybe a minute, and then the figure was gone. Just gone. We thought they must have moved into a shadowy part of the beach, even though we could see the beach. Was lit up with a full moon. The normal sounds returned, but we felt uneasy and decided to go back. Only later, talking to my dad, found out that the bay is the place Maori souls depart for their ancestral lands after they die. Always wondered if we had seen a ghost or if it was just a fella camper but we stuck to only going to the beach in the day after that, and ever since. Recently, I have felt something following me around everywhere. I always feel like someone is watching me, and I feel a hand on my shoulder or head when nothing is there. So I keep seeing this thing when I'm outside. It doesn't talk usually, but I keep seeing it. Where I go, it's always behind a tree or hiding. When I was younger, I used to go outside to swing next to the huge tree, and I kept seeing a shadow figure stick its head out. But whenever I actually looked at it, it disappeared. It doesn't hurt or scare me. It's sort of like a father. It comforts me, and yes, it may be just an imaginary friend, but it feels real. I keep feeling it touch me on my...
Shoulder and I feel it next to me, always beside or behind me. When I sleep and face the wall, I feel it behind me. There are times when I see it or hear it in a closet or in the hallway at night, but it doesn't harm me. It doesn't harm me, and it says it brings no threats. It's comforting to me, and I talk to it sometimes, and during school, I write about it, and I draw it. I might be crazy, but it looks so real, and it feels real. It's super tall. No face, no accessories, nothing on it. A shadow figure, really skinny. I can almost see its bones. It has a low, sort of raspy voice. It's nice and kind. It has never made me feel threatened or scared. I feel happy, relaxed, and welcomed by it. I never can touch it, though, but it can touch me. If I try to touch it, it fades away. It's not around me all the time, but he comes to me when I feel stressed or scared. No one else seems to see him, but I know I see it. Also, I don't just see him behind trees. Sometimes, when I swing, I see him next to the road and want. I saw him next to the road somewhere else, but it was signaling me to follow it. I'm not sure if he's a ghost, a bad spirit, a good spirit, an imaginary friend, a shadow person, or anything else. Anyone who knows more about ghosts or might have an idea of what he, or it is please tell. I don't want to get rid of it, but if you think I should please tell me. This happened years ago, I believe 2017. I was about 18 years old at the time, having a party at my best friend's house in the woods with a bunch of us. I say the woods, but that's just what we call it. It was still a neighborhood with other houses around, just far removed from each other, with tons of forest around and no real town or village center. We live in Ontario, and this area is deep with indigenous activity and history, as is all of Canada, but our spot especially so. We live a stone's throw away from the first ever European settlement established in Ontario on the land of the Wendat. The party is going on, and my friend who is hosting and has been completely sober in preparation for what we were about to do, pulls me aside and asks if I'll come with him to his hunting spot to lay some apples and feed to attract deer for the coming mornings, when he would go out and hunt. I say, yeah, of course, we get in the SUV with the feed and head to his hunting spot, leaving the party in the capable hands of our friends. The spot is about ten or so minutes away from us, so not too much of a hike. It's down a long and deeply wooded dirt path. We drive down this path for like another five minutes or so until we get to his spot, unloading the feed in the pitch dark with just a couple of flashlights to help. We start scattering apples and feed along the grounds. He checks his trail cams and such, and then we head back out. As we are driving down the dirt road, which is more like a wide path, to be honest, suddenly from our right, a large light blue orb shoots slowly straight across our line of sight and weaves itself among the trees on the other side of the path road and disappears. We sit silent for about a minute until I ask him if he saw that too. My friend keeps driving as if he had seen it before and says I don't really want to talk about it, dude. I asked him again if he at least saw it for sure, and he said yes, he did. 
This was a really cool experience, and my friend and I still talk about it to this day. Since then, he's been more open about discussing the orb. I'm still not sure why he didn't want to talk about it at first, and how his reaction was so calm. I figure he must have had some experience before.